out and say hello to somebody tonight. Good to see you out. God bless you. I'm so glad that you've come out. That's a great song we just sang. Thank you for leading that song. Thank you for singing. You know, the, the music was, was um, written by Ira Sankey. He, he is the, uh, the song leader for D.L. Moody. And uh, he's been in heaven now for a number of years. But uh, I remember the account of when Moody uh, heard him sing and spoke to him. And he said to him, now what is it that you do? And he was in business. He says, well, now you're going to have to quit that. He just said, like, you're going to have to quit that to come and go with me in the ministry. And God worked on Sankey's heart. Ira D. Sankey. Amen. And, um, and uh, this, these, these words were adapted by Sankey. And the music, of course, was written by him. And it's good old time music about a shelter in the time of storm. I'm thinking about all those scriptures that have to do with the, the kinds of challenges that we have, and we have them now all around us. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking tonight, if there ever was a need for old-time ministry, now is the time. If there was ever a time for us to go out and with old-time zeal reach the young people and uh, the teenagers, young adults, and and uh, all the rest of the adult senior citizens, now is the time. We're on the very, very cusp of, of what could be disaster all around us in society and in economics, politics, and so forth. But we're also on the, the very edge of what God could turn into a great open door, a great opportunity. How many of you believe that? Say amen. How many of you out there believe it? Amen. And we have... The youth and kids extravaganza for the summer. God is greater. To get you copies of these and pass them out to your neighbors, friends, grandchildren, children, uh, your nieces, nephews. And uh, let's get them here this coming Saturday. Pre-registration all week. Saturday registration, 9 o'clock. 10 o'clock activity for four hours. They're going to be fed. It's absolutely free. We want to just get as many of these young people in as we possibly can. Four years of age through 18. Let's do it. Let's do it. How many of you will at least pray? Raise your hands. You'll at least pray. All right. Let's pray every day for folks to come. We need the people to be here. We need people not to make excuses. We need people to be here and to follow through. So I've got all of these up here. I hope you'll come and get some at the end of the service. Now, this morning, we brought a message on the subject of humility, and I might say the common subject of humility because I preach on it regularly. Humility is knowing who God is and knowing who we are and what our place is in His perfect will. And praise the Lord for the good response that took place today. Thank God for each one whose heart was moved. My heart was moved. The preaching of the Word of God will do that and will, will cause us to do something about it. That's it. That's the question I always ask after preaching when hands are raised and people are responsive and so forth. I say, now what are you going to do about it? How, what kind of a change is this going to make in your life this week? What will you do differently this week than you would have done had you not heard this message? We, we need to think in terms of that because the Word of God is the absolute truth and, it, and the truth is transformative. 
It changes. It transforms. We don't have to make up uh, creative uh, solutions. God has already given us all we need. Jesus is still the answer. Amen? He's still the answer. Praise God for what we do know about this. All right. So he's our shelter in the time of storm. We're going to go to a number of scriptures tonight. But help is on the way. Help is on the way. Please turn to the book of Hebrews. Now the theme of Hebrews is Christ is better. He's better than fill in the blank. He's better than the law. He's better than Moses. He's better than than everything and, and anyone. He is better. And we know this is because Jesus Christ is God in a body. You believe that? Now, we, we can't compromise and yoke up with people and organizations that don't believe about Jesus Christ what we believe about Jesus Christ. I, I, that's, that's an absolute fundamental. That, that is what, um, what J. Gresham Machen, the, the great Orthodox fundamentalist uh, Presbyterian, back in 1920-something, he said, he said, these, and he listed five things, these are what he called the irreducible minimum. And my, my uh, philosophy, psychology, uh, apologetics teacher in Bible college, Dr. M. James Hollywood, used to talk about uh, J. Gresham Machen and the old timers back in the 1920s who fought the fight against modernism. And he personally knew and he heard J. Gresham Machen uh, speak in those same terms. We, we have to have, listen, what good is a savior that's, that's a sinner? What good, what good is a salvation that's bloodless? Uh, what, what good, what good is a Bible that's imperfect? Listen, we've got a Savior and a Bible and a gospel that's absolutely true. Amen? Amen. So in Hebrews chapter 13, great, great chapter with many wonderful, wonderful verses. But let's begin uh, toward the end of verse 5 where uh, he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You find that place? I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. When, uh, when we need a shelter, a hiding place, uh, when we need uh, a sustainer in the midst of the wind, the tempest, the covert, when we need uh, somebody to give us water in a dry and thirsty place, when we need a shadow in a place where the desert sun is burning hot in, uh, in our life, why, Jesus Christ is all of those. He is. He is our hiding place. He is our covert. He is our river of water. He is our shadow in a weary land. So he says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. How many of you believe what Jesus said? How many of you believe that he's not going to give up on you? He's not going to let you down ever. So that we may boldly say the Lord is my, what's the next word? Helper. Help is on the way. And I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation, their conduct, their lifestyle. And that's the proof. The proof of any profession in any 
leadership is the consistency of that person's personal testimony. How consistent is it? Hang around them long enough, watch them closely enough, and you'll find out if they're the real deal or if they're not. And we have got to be the real deal. It's not for show. It's not for performance. It's in our everyday life. We must be the real deal. Now look at verse number 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll be your helper. He, uh, listen, we don't have to fear man. Uh, and Jesus Christ doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I hope you're taking some notes. Please take, as uh, one of my preacher mentors would say, uh, take copious notes tonight. Copious notes. They're going to come in handy. Next time somebody says, oh man, you're, you're messed up. You, you're in a mess. You, you're in a fix. You got a bad... Uh, no, I'm not. You get your Bible out. You put your finger on that scripture in Hebrews 13. You, 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 you put your finger right there and you say, you see this? Put that under their nose. Tell them, see that? I'm not in trouble. I'm not in trouble. If somebody is giving you a hard time you say, this is no threat, but you know what? I wouldn't want to be on the wrong side of this one right here. I want to be on the right side. So you want to be on the right side, okay? So you you got you to, gotta, you know, you got to work with Jesus on this because he's my helper. He's never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me. He's never going to let me down. My Bible says so. You want to argue with that? Absolutely not. Help is on the way. I think about the great hymn writer, Isaac Watts. Whoa, I'm telling you. Back in the day, when they first started having hymns that weren't all Scripture, he would, he would take Scripture and rhyme it, and he would, he would put it into the form of, of music, and they would sing it. Oh God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, our shelter from the stormy blast and our eternal home. Under the shadow of thy throne thy saints have dwelt secure. Sufficient is thine arm alone, and our defense is sure. Before the hills in order stood, or earth received her frame. From everlasting thou art God to endless years the same. A thousand ages in thy sight are like an evening gone. Short as the watch that ends the night before the rising sun. O oh God, our help in ages past our hope for years to come. Be thou our guide while life shall last and our eternal home. He's my shelter. Amen. In the time of a storm, help is on the way. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is my helper. Jesus Christ is there for you. He's there for me. And you say, well, sometimes he doesn't feel like he's there. Well, that's his prerogative. There's nothing in the Bible that gives you the guarantee that you're always going to feel that cozy embrace that you want to feel. Now, you'll feel it often enough, but that's not necessary. We're not, we're not basing our faith on a cozy feeling. We're basing our faith on an unbreakable, unchangeable word from the God who cannot lie. The God who always tells the truth. Amen. And He's going to shelter you. He's going to help you. 
Now you say, well, you just don't know my problem. Let me personalize it, all right? I could go to each one of you, and from the youngest to the eldest, what do you fear? What do you fear? And we get at it right away. What you fear is what's behind your lack of security. And what you fear, you need to face that fear on the basis of whose, not who, but whose you are. That's how we face our fear. I face my fear because of whose I am, to whom I belong, who's promised to keep me, who's got me all the while. Say, well, I just don't feel like it. There you go with your feelings again. You believe right based on what the Bible says, which is right, and the feelings will follow. The feelings are going to come along. Sometimes they're like the tail, you know, but don't let that tail drive you and direct you. That tail's coming behind you. That's it. That's it. Amen and amen. Over in the Psalms, when I think about those two back-to-back kind of bookend Psalms, Psalm 90 and Psalm 91. That's where you need to resort a lot. I spend a lot of time in the book of Psalms. I love the book of Psalms. My wife and I together love to read the Psalms. The Psalms are precious, precious, precious promises from God Himself. It's like sitting there and having a conversation with God Himself. That's what it's like. And I don't know whose voice that you have in your mind that's the most calming voice, but that's the voice I hear when I get into the Psalms and I let the Lord talk to my heart. Psalm 90, this is the prayer of Moses. And it says, Lord, Thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth, or ever Thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, Thou art God. He doesn't change. He's always been there. Now, that's Moses writing by inspiration. Now, go to Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will save the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night nor for the arrow that flieth by day nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. I wish every believer during COVID had read this ten times a day. Build your faith on the Word of God. Build your faith on the person who's promised that He's got us in His hand. And you're going to come through all right. I don't know how many of you got COVID and how many of you, um, you know, got diagnosed and how many of you got it but didn't and how many of you didn't get it or or whatever but we have discovered this no disrespect i i I think and i and i want to pause to give a moment of silence for those who passed on due to covid or to complications during that time but i'll tell you this uh, christ is greater than covid and there is nobody who is going to try to convince this preacher that christ is not greater than covid Christ is greater than cancer. Christ is greater than your crisis. In fact, Jesus is the Christ of every crisis, as the song goes. And He'll use that crisis to glorify Himself and to strengthen your faith and to help you to stand 
against that thing that's just tearing down and it makes, makes you cry. He's greater. He's greater than all of that. Help's on the way. Help is on the way. Now go over to Psalm 121. Psalm 21. This is one of those songs of degrees. And I know there is a practical and a prophetic and a doctrinal application. I will lift up mine eyes under the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. There we have the word help given to us several times. My help cometh from the Lord. My Lord uh, is my help. There it is, which made heaven and earth. Think about that. Think about that. The one who made everything. We have now powerful telescopes that can magnify distant lights in the sky so that we can see detail. And because of the distance, God created everything with the uh, appearance of time. So the light from those things that took, that took so many thousands of years to get here was already created, was in the process of coming when God, Jesus Christ, the God-man, spoke it into existence. That's not hard to understand. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer or permit thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. I had a friend by the name of John that claimed this passage of Scripture. He was up in the metropolis of Chicago. He had rented a room in a downtrodden side of town in an old flea bag hotel. He was up there on business and he couldn't get anything else and so that's where he was. He kept the light. He had one single light bulb you know, hanging from the ceiling with a pull chain and he kept that light on at night because he was he was concerned about those that might break in and might do him harm or take his things. And so he put that light on. And after several nights of that, having not slept, he began to read his Bible and he came across that scripture. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. He said, praise the Lord Jesus. I'm claiming this scripture. I'm going to go to sleep. You stay up and watch. And he meant no disrespect, but that's true. Kids, listen to me. If you worry about the darkness, there's no monsters in the darkness. But even if they were, God's bigger. Jesus Christ can take them. There are no monsters in the dark. I'm telling you right now that help is on the way. Help is on the way. I want to speak to the pastors across the country who are going to be tuning into this later on. Help is on the way. I don't know if you figured it out yet, but like a flash of light, God gave what I believe is the answer for our church to, to reach with the resources we have, the young people that we can, and then go after their parents and their neighbors and continuously do this in cycles, continuously do that. Then we add to that the Prince William County Fair soul winning booth. And those souls that we win, now I realize if we win several hundred to Christ, we need to get that information filled out. Not everybody will give their name or their information, but get all the information we can. And I realize that's going to be spread over four state area probably. People from all around. We'll have people from New York. We'll have people from uh, out west. And, and uh, the ones that are in this area, if we have several hundred that profess Christ, we ought to be get, 
be getting like, uh, what, 40, 50, 60 names that we can follow up right around here. We need to do that. And after we get them and their family, we get their neighbors, their relatives, and, and, and we'll build that way. Help is on the way. It's not God's will for this preacher to preach to empty pews. It's not God's will for the church house to sit empty when people are healthy and they can go to the Walmart and they can go to BJ's and they can go to Costco, but they can't come to church. We love you. Don't get me wrong. We love you. I was brought up. And if I was brought up wrong, show me the chapter and the verse. Not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. My dad said, you want to know what that means in the underlying Greek? <laughs> and he'd say, that means whenever the church doors are open, be there. Make every effort to be there. I know there are some exceptions, and I'm not, I don't want to get in an argument with anybody. I just want to say it this way. We want to attend so as to glorify Jesus. We want to be what Jesus wants us to be. We want this world to see Jesus in us. And when Jesus Christ, God in a body, turned 12 years of age, he didn't forsake the assembling of himself together. In fact, so much as a 12-year-old, a very extraordinary 12-year-old, but as a 12-year-old, they, they started back for Nazareth, looked around and said, where's that boy Jesus? Where'd he go? And they had to travel back, and guess what? He was confounding all the religious leaders in the temple. He started very young to not forsake the assembling of himself together. Every opportunity, when he went to his hometown, it was the, the habit of folks to meet on the Sabbath day in those days. And so on that Sabbath day, he goes in, and there's a reading uh, from the Scripture, and he says, this Scripture is fulfilled today in your ears. They didn't like everything he had to say. Jesus Christ spoke the truth, told the absolute truth. I was reading a paper. One of the periodicals I've been getting for years is uh, Evangelist Dennis Corll's Revival Fires. Now, there's nothing genteel about any of the sermons in that paper. I mean, it's you talk about spitting fire and, and volcanic uh, material. I mean, that's it. That's it. And uh, Dwayne Nichols, who pastors a church down in Texas, Dwayne Nichols was talking about another preacher uh, by the name of Lackey, an old, an old um, uh, camp meeting type preacher. And uh, he would have camp meetings, and he'd say that all these mountain folks would come. They'd bring their shotguns with them to camp meeting, and he'd preach to them. But he was, uh, he was asked to preach for funerals where there wasn't any church, and he'd go in, and, and he'd preach for, for drug addicts and drunkards and whatever. And, and all of their associates would come, and he'd preach, and he'd say, now you, you don't want to go to hell like this man did. You want to get saved? Now, I would never say that. But that was, that was in there. And what is that? That's a fearless servant of the Lord God. He, listen, he, he is not influenced by or run by what some person might say to him about don't say this and don't say that and don't offend this and don't offend that. By the way, I would never do that personally, but, it, but Lackey did. That's what Lackey did. He was an old 
time preacher. And he told it like it is. We've got a shelter in the time of storm. We've got a covert from the wind. And, and we've got a river that, that, that waters us when we're dry and hydrates us. There you go. Our, our hydrator. He's Jesus, our hydrator. There you go. And uh, he is our help. And help is on the way. He's never going to let you down. He's never going to let me down. He'll always be there. Praise God for that. Amen. So, he's our keeper. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. I would say that is a divine warranty that will not be broken. He's going to preserve you. He's going to keep you. Stop moaning and groaning. When you're going through the trial, the purpose of the trial, the purpose of the difficulty, as you'll hear me preach time and time again, is for God to work on us and bring us into line with His perfect will. But it's not to destroy us. It's not to crush us. It's not to take us out of the game. That's not what it's all about. It's about making us better, not bitter. What He's allowing you to go through right now, even though sinful people may be behind it, and people may mean your harm. Think about Joseph in the Old Testament. Whereas they meant it for evil, God meant it for good. And God's got a good plan. God's good all the time. And God's got a good plan for you all the time. And help is on the way. I go all the way back into the Psalms and I read about the people of God. They didn't get it. And we say, man, how could they? How could they, after God brought them through the Red Sea, how could they grumble and mumble and complain and say, we want to fire Moses and get somebody to take us back to Egypt where we can be good little slaves of the Egyptians? How could they do that? There's no difference between those folks in the wilderness and the way we are sometimes. God spare anybody from having to go through some of these things that we're going through. But if we are not in the perfect will of God, then, then don't get to the point where Job's wife says, well, just curse God and die. Don't get to that point. God is good all the time, even when the circumstances are not good. God's taking care of you all the time, even when you're hurting. Yes, He knows you're hurting. But nobody ever hurt like Jesus hurt. Nobody ever felt like Jesus felt to save your soul and save my soul and keep us. He saves, He keeps, He satisfies. He went through all of Calvary and the hellishness of the cross for you and for me. And He knows what pain is. He knows what loneliness is. He knows what hurting is. He knows what disappointment is. We've provided plenty of disappointment along the way, haven't we? Plenty of it. And so when I read those psalms about them going through the wilderness and, and bogging down and failing again and again and again and again, all I can stand amazed. All I can do is just be absolutely amazed and filled with awe that God would still be their God and He would still take them on and uh, He would still keep covenant because He is the God of covenant. Keeps his promises no matter what. Don't you worry about him breaking promise. He won't break his promise. Absolutely not. 
Absolutely not. So all those dead Egyptian charioteers, bodies washing up on the Red Sea shore. That's pretty vivid. And so they launch out, head out in the wilderness, and man, I tell you, more than once, they had to have a reminder of how great God is and how much protection the Lord is. He's a shelter in the time of storm. He'll keep that beaten sun off of you. Help is on the way. And then I, I think, about, think about how he brought them through those battles, so many battles. I mean, I, I start to look at it. I, I look at Red Sea. I look at Jericho. I look at the sun standing still, uh, you know, Og and Bashan and, and uh, uh, you know, David and Goliath. I think about all How many times did God intervene and in a divine fashion, an amazing, miraculous fashion, give them the victory? More times than he just simply, you know, sent them out there and they had superior forces and they walked on the enemy. Usually there was something else involved of God's uh, intervention. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, Deuteronomy chapter 7, Deuteronomy chapter 7, and uh, let's, let's read this. Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse number 6. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself. Now why did he do that? Because he chose to. That's why. Above all people that are upon the face of the earth, the Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you because ye were more in number than any people. For ye were the fewest of all people, but because the Lord loved you and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. That is a uh, figure of speech, a euphemism, which if you run the math, you will discover he has never, ever broken his oath. He has never broken his word or his covenant. He's still our shelter. He's still our covert. He is still our river in a dry place. He's still our shadow of a great rock in a weary land. Help is on the way. Amen and amen. Many times there was an intervention. Go over to Second uh, Kings. Second Kings. And uh, in chapter number 6. Second Kings chapter number 6. And... In verse number 13, he said, Go and spy where he is, that is where Elisha is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night and compassed. They surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, and host compassed or surrounded the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And you know how they were struck with blindness and how they led them, led them back and led them back blind 
And uh, boy, everybody wanted to say, now that they're blind, let's smite them, let's kill them. And Elisha said, no, we can't do that. We're not like them. We play fair. We want them to, want them to know something. We want them to be spiritually affected. And they were, of course. Why? Because help was on the way. And there might be somebody in your household who's weak in the faith. There might be somebody that you know that, that needs to be strengthened. You know, we need, to, we need to see the invisible. Amen. We need to claim the impossible. Amen. We need, we need to take on the promises of God and live on them and feast on them and feed on them and, uh, and live by faith, walk by faith and not by sight. I think about, uh, about Brother Sutek who is the granddaddy of all street preachers and now is a missionary to the Philippines. And when he and, and his friend Bear went on the road, they called him Bear, when they went on the road, they, they never asked anybody for any support. They just traveled around from place to place and preached. Never asked anybody for any money. And they'd go from place to place, place to place, and for years they traveled like that and never ever asked a human being for a thing, and God never let them down. I'm not telling you how to conduct your ministries. I'm not telling you how to do it. Maybe you want to send big, long, you know, a thick prayer letter. That's all right. Doesn't matter. As long as there's more blessings than requests in there. Amen. But, uh, but you know what? Let me tell you. Help is on the way. Walk by faith, not by sight. Believe the impossible. Uh, see the invisible. And and. Follow God's guidance and His direction. We have so many of these. I want you to go over to 2 Kings chapter 19. The Assyrians have, uh, have sent uh, vile accusations against uh, Hezekiah and Isaiah. And it's just it's a terrible situation. In, in chapter 19, 2 Kings, And it came to pass when King Hezekiah heard it that he rent his clothes and covered himself with sackcloth and went into the house of the Lord. Mark it down. He went, he went to meet with God. He went to pray. And he sent Eliakim, which was over the household, and, and Shebna the scribe, and the elders of the priests covered with sackcloth to, to Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz. And they said unto him, Thus saith Hezekiah, This day is a day of trouble and rebuke and blasphemy, for the children are come to, to birth, and there is not strength to bring forth. It may be the Lord thy God will hear all the words of Rabshakeh, whom the king of Assyria, his master, has sent to reproach the living God and will reprove the words which the Lord thy God hath heard. Wherefore, lift up thy prayer for the remnant that are left. So the servants of the king Hezekiah came to Isaiah, and Isaiah said to them, Thus shall ye say to your master, and he goes on and he says, You know, God's on the job. Help is on the way. And if you read through it, you're going to find what I'm telling you right now is absolutely the bottom line when it comes to this matter of that help that God gives us. You're, you're in the big leagues now, folks. It's time, for us, it's time for us spiritually to get out of T-ball. Okay? And that ball is going to come in now. I don't, I don't watch Major League Baseball simply because I'm not hooked up and I, I don't have time and so forth. But I heard about a guy that stole three bases. Did you hear about that? Some guy stole three bitch, bases on two, two pitches. On two pitches. Now, that's a player you've got to watch. Of course, you're not going to see him because he's like a streak of lightning. But, but 
That's, that's it. That's it. Now, there's going to be somebody, I'm going to predict. I don't know this for a fact, Tony. Somebody is going to be crying and say it's not fair. He's too fast. We need to make the base pass. You know, we need to make him like 400 feet long. Right? Somebody's going to do that. They're going to say it's not fair. The first time they saw somebody dunk the basketball, they started talking about 12-foot baskets or, or something like that. And now that you got a guy stealing three bases on two pitches, they're going to do something to try to slow him down. Well, here's what i got to say, folks. Stop whining and complaining about the base stealer or about the height of the, of the basket uh, because you know what? You're in the big leagues now. You're in the big leagues. If you're living for Jesus, you're in the real world, and you're in the big leagues now, and guess what? As we're going to teach those kids Saturday, God is greater. We serve a God, not just somebody we talk about, not just somebody we suppose about, not just somebody, you know, that maybe might show up. Our God is the kind of God that keeps His promises, and He shows up. God shows up. We need to believe that. We need to practice that. We need to be bold in our faith, and we need to be like Isaiah. First thing he did was pray. Pray. And we can't just pray in emergencies. We need to be on praying ground so we can pray in emergencies, but that's not the only time we're supposed to be praying. Get up early and pray. There's a prayer warrior right there. Pray early, pray late. Pray all the time. Pray all day long. I do a lot of throwing up prayers quickly because I get confronted. And some people have wondered why every once in a while I have the right answer on the spur of the moment to answer somebody who comes and is in, in our face or whatever. And the only way I can say is there is a God in heaven who, who's a very good catch. I throw that prayer up, he catches it, man. Amen. but we need to be on praying ground all the time. We need to be a people of prayer. Put it down. God helping me today, this week, this month, I'm going to be one of those persons of prayer. We're going to be people of prayer. It's not going to be the, the extraordinary, every once in a while thing. It's going to be a part of my life, just like breathing. Prayer needs to be like breathing. When I hung around some of the great preachers who have now gone to heaven, I mean people that wrote books that are in my library, those kinds of people. Now, Lord, you know, and they're just talking to the Lord. They're talking to Jesus. They're talking to Him all the time when something comes up. Now, Lord, you need this. Lord, you need that. I've been with them when they've done that. It's a high and holy privilege, but, you know, why am I not praying? So, Lord, we need this. This is, you promised this. This is what needs to happen. Praise the Lord. So help is on the way. Number one, if we pray, put it down. If we pray. Now God is still God whether we pray or not. But if you want the answers to prayer, if you want the blessings of God, if you want to be God's peculiar treasure, then we need to be people of prayer. Number two, not only if we pray, they're surrounded. I mean the Assyrians, uh, they're saying they're going to come in and... Uh, and they're, they're going to do horrible, unspeakable things because guess what? The Assyrians, when they conquered you, did unspeakable things to you. And so they're talking about what they're going to do to you. Unspeakable things. 
Help is on the way if we pray and if we stay. If we pray and if we stay. Nobody ran. God killed the enemy. You read the rest of it. That's it. Pray and stay and don't stray. You obey. Amen. Pray, stay, don't stray, and obey. Amen. Amen. That's it. Why? Because He is who He says He is. Let's start behaving like we believe what God says. Let's start living out that kind of faith that's so real that even though we can't feel what is going to be, we believe it's going to be because God said so in His Word. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Every head bowed, every eye closed. How many of you tonight would say, Preacher, what uh, God gave you and what God gave us through the Word stirred my soul tonight. It was for me. Slip your hand up high. Let me see. God bless you. Yes. Amen. Amen. Let's walk by faith, not by sight. Let's act upon the Word. Let's do what God says. In just a moment, we're going to have the altar open, you come pray or pray where you are. Let's believe God for our own walk and for that of our family and those around us and for fellow church members. And let's not cave because of what it is feeling like because that's the world, the flesh, and the devil. That's it. But what God says is true. That's going to last for eternity. If you're not sure you're saved, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So won't you right now pray from your heart, dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. Right now, I'm, I want to receive the Lord Jesus into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. If you pray.
Amen. Amen. If you 